I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house. Even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite- Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Welcome to Star Talk. Your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Welcome to Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. And I'm also the director of New York City's Hayden Planetarium at the American Museum of Natural History. I have two guest hosts with me today comedian Leanne Lord. Leanne, thanks for coming back. Oh, to man. To Star Talk Radio. Thank you for having me. You were in our first season. I was. So we couldn't, we couldn't resist bringing you back. And for the first time. Yes. In his debut appearance, Chuck Nice. Hey, man. Chuck. The newbie. Good the to, newbie. Good to have you. It's good to be had. This is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot went on off the air. You yeah, have no right, idea. Right. You have no idea how I got this job. <laughs> <laughs> so this is going to be like sort of Neil deGrasse Tyson's house party. It's a, it's a holiday party. And which I'm just going to sort of uh, be Professor Tyson and just talk about everything I know about the cosmic significance of the holiday season. This is going to be a week-long show. <laughs> Are you down with that? <laughs> Settle in, cats. Hello, baby. Uh, We're delivery. <laughs> and I am my Kurtz of Iman her cap. <laughs> <laughs> so let me start out by saying in the wintertime, we always associate certain constellations and stars of the winter sky. And what, by the way, stars are up all year round, it's just whether they're up before you go to sleep. And so when we talk about winter constellations, we're mm. talking about constellations and stars that are up after your dinner and before you go to sleep. Sweet. Yeah. And, and so. The the most famous of those is Orion, but we're going to get back to Orion towards the end of the show because I have a lot to tell you about. It's the most recognizable constellation out there. Right. But what I want to lead with even before that is the solstice. Ooh. Yes. Solstice. Yes. A lot written about the solstice. First, it's Latin. Right. Sol meaning sun. Right. Stis meaning stationary. Remember, ar- remember armistice? Yeah, remember? <laughs> yeah, remember, remember armistice? You're, you're 100 years old. Yeah. yeah. Uh, armistice, <laughs> it's stationary arms. No one is fighting anymore. Right. Armistice Day became Veterans Day. Right. Solstice is where the sun stays still. Right. Now, not in any biblical sense where it just stops in the sky. No. What actually happens at the solstice, I don't know if you pay attention between summer and winter, but what, what goes on is mm-hmm. every day that you get closer to the winter, the sun's arc in the sky gets lower and, and lower. lower. Yes. Right. And, and that makes the days shorter, shorter and shorter. shorter. Exactly. Gotcha. In fact, the shortest day of the year is the solstice, the solstice. solstice, December 21st. And that's typically, we call that the first day of winter, right. which means every day of winter gets longer. Days which, get longer which, in the winter, not shorter. Which takes us to our my favorite day of the year, culminating after that, which would be... Kwanzaa? Uh, the equinox. <laughs> Kwanzaa? No. Equinox. I'm sorry. Well, the vernal equinox, right? Isn't that yes. the longest day of the year? No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. You have to come back for that one. Equinox, vernal equinox is March. That's three okay, months Okay, then from I'm now. sorry. No, what's the longest day of the year? That would be the that would be the summer solstice. The Actually, summer solstice, not yeah. the not the vernal equinox. The longest day of the year, technically, gentlemen, is April fifteenth, which is tax day. Oh, okay, that's for, right. the, for the accountants only. There, right. So the <clears throat> summer solstice. So here's what's going on in the solstice. In, on December 21st, ancient peoples saw the sun get lower and lower in the sky every day, and this worried them. Right. Because when you're agriculturally driven, right. if the sun goes away, you die. Right. Your crops die. Right. You, there's the, you're, you're, you're scared. So a few days later, you figure out the sun is no longer dropping in the horizon mm-hmm. on its arc across the sky. It stops and then reverses, and it's on its way back. It, has- it, takes, it takes a few days to figure this out. By about December 25th. Right. Oh. oh that, 
that's an interesting date for this to happen. Exactly. And so what went on was Christianity, when it wanted to take a foothold among pagan celebrants of the of the return of the sun right. after the solstice, they said, well, let's take this uncertain day called the birth of Jesus right. and put it on a day that everyone else already cares about. And that way, that would increase the likelihood of getting converts to the new religion of Christianity. And so they put the birth of Jesus right on a day where everyone was already celebrating, December 25th. Because nothing sells a religion like a party. <laughs> I guess I And that's hey, what I'm talking about. Ho. You know? <laughs> and you know something? We've got, I, I have a special link to the Vatican. Do you know that? No, we didn't. I got peeps in the Vatican. Sweet. You got a hotline to the Pope? I got a hotline. Well, not to the Pope, but somebody who who has audience with the Pope. Well, that's just as good. There's a colleague of mine, Brother Guy Consolmagno. He's an astrophysicist. And I think I think he's a Jesuit brother. Wait a minute. Uh, yeah, they got him there. Look, I was going to say. I'll, I'm going to bring him on. In we'll, the Vatican? In the Vatican. In the Vatican. We're calling the Vatican right now. Uh, Guy, are you on the line? I am indeed listening to you guys. <laughs> Guy, and you're in the Vatican. It's like midnight there right now, correct? That's correct. It's uh, just a couple of minutes past midnight. So, well, thanks for calling in. And uh, just to, to field our questions, just a few questions. I don't know if I'm the only one that has them, but do they let you believe in Santa Claus at the Vatican? <laughs> <laughs> the hey, Santa- I, anybody who knows the history of religion knows about St. Nicholas, and how could you not believe in St. Nicholas, which is, of course, what Santa Claus really is. Now, maybe all the stories you've heard about St. Nicholas aren't exactly what you, you know, what the truth is, but then that could also be said about all the stories you've heard about Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and another thing, the there's all this talk about what the star of Bethlehem might have been astronomically, and you can look at the records and you find out there are a couple of conjunctions of planets, and we'll talk about those later in the program, but while I have you on the line, I just want to know, do you and like fellow astrophysicists at the, at the Vatican Commissary argue over stuff like this over the Christmas holiday? Well, actually we do, because every year some crazy reporter calls us up and wants to know what the official Vatican word is. There isn't an official Vatican word. We don't know any more than anybody else does. Yeah, but it's you have access... It's fun to, uh, to speculate about it. But you have access to uh, programs that tell you what the planet, stars, and moons were sure. doing, right? And so yep. what would you say was the best guess, or were you just going to say it was divine and get on with the next question? You know, for, for all we know, it could be a divine miracle. For all we know, it could be a pious story. My favorite is a theory that Michael Molnar came up with a few years ago, saying that it was actually the heliacal rise of a conjunction of planets. Okay, and heliacal is where a group of planets are together in the sky, and they rise just before the appearance of the sun in the morning sky. And that would explain why no one except the astrologers knew what was going on. Oh, because they're the only ones who paid attention to that sort of thing. Exactly. I see. And so, but I'm wondering, c- conjunctions where you have Jupiter in the sky or Saturn mm-hmm. with it or Venus, even the crescent moon can join them, those are not actually rare. People like to think they are, but they're not. No. And so, so if you want to try to pin a not rare but nonetheless beautiful event on something that you want to be signify a change in all of religion in the world, you think you'd come up with a better cosmic phenomenon than just a conjunction. Right, and uh, that's what Molnar has done. He's come up with a whole bunch of these guys, all in heliacal rise at the same time, about four or five different things, and all in the same constellation that signified the country of Judea. Which, country, which constellation was which that? Which the Aries. Aries, I see. So they got this so, all figured out. Yeah, well, in fact, he's got it all figured out. He hasn't convinced anybody else. Everybody has <laughs> 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 yeah, that's, that's kind of what it is to publish your research. You believe it, and no one else does. That's it. Well, Guy, thanks for calling in. It's been great to have you, and it's been a while since I've seen you back here in New York. But uh, make sure to, to, to give me a holler next time you're stateside. And uh, I, I was checking on your wiki page, and you have a book on what it is to be a scientist at the Vatican, right? What's that called? Well, we've got a couple of ones. The most recent one came out for the Year of Astronomy. It was called The Heavens Proclaim, and it's the history of all the different astronomy that the Vatican supported over the years. I got you. And the International Year of Astronomy was 2009. That was the 400th anniversary of Galileo turning his telescope to the night sky. And for all you've heard, you remember Galileo was a good Italian and a good Catholic. Oh, is that right? Yeah. He's not often credited with being a religious guy, but of course he was. He just had some disagreements with the Pope. 
Yeah, well, he wouldn't have been the first Catholic. Right. <laughs> well, plus, I actually think he was, uh, you know, are you smart or stupid to disagree with the people who are who have power over you? I don't know. That's one. That's something that historians always well, grapple with. Again, again, he wouldn't be the first one. Ever. <laughs> that's right. So, Guy, thanks for calling in. Guy Consolmagno, and you're, you're a brother in the Jesuit order, correct? That's right. That's right. And the Jesuits are the one who persecuted Galileo. Not <laughs> <laughs> so. Basically, he's doing penance. <laughs> okay. Hey, it's thanks to them that the Vatican actually pays a bunch of astrophysicists to just do good science. Uh, excellent. Okay. So there's hope in the world. All right. Absolutely. Guy, thanks for calling in on Star Talk Radio. And have a great Christmas, all you guys. Will do. Thank you. Bye bye. Wow, that was cool. Yeah. No, we got. I got cool people you out really there. You really do. I got to give it to oh you. Oh my god. And man. if you want to find uh, links to his book and more on a biography of of Guy Consumano, you can. Uh, join Star Talk Radio's uh, a Facebook page where we'll give information about him. And on our website, we have links to, mm-hmm. uh, to, to him. I learned a new word. Heliacal. Heliacal. Hey. Which is like the heliacal rise. Like, that rise was heliacal. <laughs> Sounds like it was funny, you know? <laughs> Dude, you are heliacal. That could be another use of the word. Heliacal. Put on a t-shirt. Right. It, a t-shirt. That was a heliacal moment. Exactly. Yeah, so heliacal, H-E-L, would be the sun, Helios, and... Uh, if something rose just before the sun, it was a sign that that there was something magical about to happen. And w- later on, we'll talk about Sirius rising before the star Sirius rising before the sun. That's a heliacal dog. <laughs> it's a heliacal. <laughs> you know, I, I got to say, I love when he said that the uh, the Vatican. We don't know more any more than anyone else does. I'm like, wow, really? Can we quote you on that? Dude? <laughs> You're gonna save that one. Wow. You're saving that one. So a couple other things. There, people. If they if you want to believe that there was some kind of star that the three wise men uh, saw uh-huh. and you they we people religious people have turned to astrophysicists yes. from the beginning right. to ask us is there anything that we know of that occurred back then and so we go through the list you say about when was he born turns out it was not year 0 you know right. I, I, right. Wonder, I wonder if Jesus knew that he wasn't born in the year 0 typically 3 4 5 BC is is bandied about for when he would have been when born. He would have been born yeah so we so we comb the the records of the sky mm-hmm. which we can do because we have laws of physics that tell us how gravity operates on the moon of bodies in the sky for thousands of years in the future and thousands of years into the past. Mm-hmm. So it's actually quite an empowerment of the ability to calculate. In fact, scientists are the only breed in the world that can predict with accuracy what's going to happen what's in the future. What's going to happen in the future. Yeah. Okay. You so scientists are women, is what you're saying? <laughs> I thought you touch your sci- subject. Touch your subject. <laughs> I thought you meant scientists were Miss Cleo. You know, <laughs> <laughs> call me now. I-, I said with accuracy. Oh, with accuracy. Okay. oh, oh yeah. you put a caveat that's on the it. Ca- okay. See, now that's the lie. I understand. <laughs> so and wait a minute. So, so now, since scientists can look backwards. We in do. time. We do. And see events that have transpired mm-hmm. in the heavens. Mm-hmm. Are there any events? coinciding with the time that we're talking about that may point to a very bright star being in the sky above Bethlehem. Okay, here's a well, the, the, a bright a bright star in the sky would be above everybody in the world if it was true. Uh, true. In the if it's sky, a bright star in the sky, everybody's going to catch it. Correct. It wouldn't have to be just above Bethlehem. Okay. So, uh, what my sort of best guess? Thanks if, for making me feel stupid. Okay. No. <laughs> That's so, why we're here, man. That's the no, point of the show. No, no. <laughs> No, I'm talking, Back to ahead. you, Neil. No, serious. I want to know. <laughs> so uh, one of my best, if I, as I comb through the, the list of candidates, uh, the Chinese kept excellent records of what was going on in the night sky. Back then, the astrologers, who were sort of the court-appointed advisors to the, those who were in charge, they were tasked with trying to understand what forces of the universe might operate on culture. And so they kept really accurate records there. So Chinese astrologers commented on a new story star that appeared in the constellation Capricorn in 5 BC. Now that's March right around what we're talking that's about. That's right around when we're talking about. Five, when- 5 BC, so that's around the right year. And it turns out that new stars got the name Nova. Nova is Latin for new. Okay. It turns out Later on, we would learn, basically in the 20th century, we would learn that stars that appear out of nowhere, are these are stars, novas? we call them novas as because they're new to you, but they've been there forever and they're dying. So they're exploding. They're exploding their ah. guts into interstellar, interplanetary, into interstellar space. So, so we're late we're, to the party. What we're seeing late, is the death the explosion, of a star. The death of a star. The death of a star. And so they caught a new star, a nova, in Capricorn, and we can see the remnants of this with telescopes exactly. today. And so uh, that, I, that looks to me that there are others where Jupiter and Saturn got together in the sky. Right. And as, as Brother Guy 
I like call him brother guy. Brother guy. <laughs> He's bro, bro. What's up, brother guy? <laughs> What's up, brother guy? Uh, <laughs> as he as he correctly reminded us, constellations, uh, um, conjunctions in the sky are not rare. Right. They are uh, common enough. You probably wouldn't pin the birth of your religion on it. Right. We've got to take a quick break. But more Star Talk when we return. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Welcome back to Starlog. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm with my two guest hosts for this holiday episode. I've got Leanne Lord, comedian. Woo-hoo. How you doing, Leanne? I am excellent. Excellent. And Chuck Nice. Hey. You're with me, man. Yes, I am. The comedian Chuck Nice. Correct. You might have seen him on NBC, the Today Show, and MSNBC. He, they always bring him on to talk about what's going down. This is true. And, and, and like I would know. <laughs> That's what kills me. But I show up. I don't care. <laughs> so this is, this is sort of me hanging out, just reflecting on the science of the season. And one other point I wanted to finish out with but after that first segment. The, if you take Halley's Comet, which comes around about every 76 years, and extrapolate it back and factor in Jupiter messing with its orbit and things, you find out that Halley's Comet was around in 12 BC. And the Chinese made a note of a, a new comet in the sky at that time as well. They didn't call it Halley's Comet, of course. Right. But, but I'm sure it was like Confucius's Comet. <laughs> right. The CC. Yeah. Right. So CC. Yeah, that's yeah. right. C squared. Uh, so so, so with, with that, that would have been too early for what other uh, guesses are for the year that Jesus was born. So they wouldn't. While it was there and something to talk about, they wouldn't it didn't have, jive. It didn't didn't jive. Okay, but so we got. So I want to make this segment about Santa Claus. A little more about Santa Claus. Right on. And I, you know, I don't know if you know, but NORAD tracks Santa. Did you know this? Of oh, course. Oh, you know. <laughs> well, no, because they have it on the news. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we will get to NORAD in a minute. But guess who I have on the phone? Who? Okay. Actually, I'm not sure who I have on the phone either. Seth McFarlane or Stewie. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little tired. I'm a little exhausted. I'm going to go into this whole thing like this. But uh, no, it's me. It's hey, me. Seth it's me. McFarlane. I'm being, I'm being lazy today. How are you? How you doing, man? Thanks for calling in to Star Talk Radio. Anytime, anytime. Oh, my gosh. You know what I want for Christmas? I want Stewie's plans for his time machine. <laughs> Is it really? Yes. You could. You could. You, could, you see. see you're, you, you. You could probably do that yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. I don't know, but his was pretty cool. I, you know, it was working. It was like, and, and my favorite part of that was he didn't have a timer. He didn't have a date stamp on where they lent, ended up. And right. Brian complained. Brian, the the dog, said, "What? You don't have a ti- a timer on your on your time machine?" Until he said, "Oh, oh, th- does your time machine have a?" <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah. That, yeah. that indeed is a classic line. I've got a way better time machine than me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, one, one, one would hope that, 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 that your time machine would not have, have all the big, funny, like, plastic, like, vacuum, <laughs> vacuum cleaner-looking tubes that, that ours seems to have. Well, no, but if it's a time machine that no one's ever built before, it's got to be made out of stuff you had in your garage, I think, yeah. right? <laughs> that would be yeah, yeah it, is, it is a little bit of an, of a, of an, of an A-team cobbled-together look to it. Yeah, and, and, and so, <laughs> so, Seth, on so many of the Family Guy episodes, there's, I, I detect, a, a deep representation of science literacy in there and i and i know it's coming out of some part of you what 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 in your life led you to be to 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 have that as a sort of shared mission statement with making people laugh well you know i mean it's 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 something that that is uh you know has has always been important to me and something that you know certainly my 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 parents when i was growing up stressed the importance of rational thought and uh you know questioning everything asking why things work the way they do instead of just accepting things at face value um you know like like yourself i was a i was a big uh great admirer of uh, of, of of carl sagan and you know kind of devoured his his writings um uh over the course of my my childhood and even uh, even up to this day and uh you know it's 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 it, it, it's it's something that we are uh, losing touch with very much in in this country, and I mm. think you know mm. even in the context of a comedy show, if you can wave the flag of science a little bit and remind people that it's it's uh, arguably the most important discipline on the planet, then mm. then uh, you know I think that can only be a good thing. Yeah, it's important because our uh, the, our security and our future and our economic health everything. is all wrapped Every, into yeah, it. Yeah, it's yeah. important to our. That's pretty much everything. Species. That's yeah. everything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's it. That's everything. And we're done. <laughs> Life, the universe, and everything. Yeah, so, you know, your Christmas special, I think everybody everybody uh, sees your Christmas special. and uh, But I have a gripe about your Christmas special. But, <laughs> there we so go. Stewie goes to the North Pole to, yeah. to, to have an encounter with Santa Claus. But the North Pole has, like, mountains and trees there. But we know there's just a polar bear on that one ice floe. <laughs> That's all that's left. I, th- I thought you oh, knew God, this. I knew, I knew I was going to take it from you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think a lot of people just in general don't know that the North Pole has no land. It's just it's just the Arctic Ocean, right? So and it's frozen but over. It, but it doesn't bother you that there's elves and 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 man eating reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Seth, we look forward to many many more years of, of Family Guy and Stewie just telling it like it is, <laughs> while it occasionally sucking his thumb. Yes. <laughs> may, may I do something, Neil? Ch- Chuck. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Steph. Uh, this is something I've just always wanted to say to you uh, forever, and that is, wouldn't it be marvelous if I turned out to be a homosexual? <laughs> there you go. There you go. That, well, the, that's, no, that's, seriously, man, I'm asking you. Wouldn't it the, be marvelous? This is the tension <laughs> that he puts into the, into the right. ambiguity there. This is Ambiguity? <laughs> All righty, then. I must not understand the word. <laughs> well, Seth, thanks for calling in, taking time out of your day in L.A. Uh, to be part of our sort of holiday show here. Anytime, Neil, anytime. And Seth, we'll catch more of you another time. All right, sounds good. Thanks. Okay. Seth McFarley. That was pretty great. damn cool. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's my man. He's my man Very over there cool. in L.A. So let me tell you about Santa Claus and NORAD. Do you know, yes. do you know what NORAD was invented for? Okay. Now that I don't. It was, it was, the, it was the North American Air Defense uh, at a time when we believed that any invasion, any attacks to us would happen through airplanes flying through the air. And we felt our coasts were covered, Pacific and Atlantic. Right. We were worried that Russia would come to us over the poles. Right. And if they come over the poles, they'd have to fly over Canada. So we said, let's band together with Canada, create a defense system that protect us from anything coming over the poles. Then we learned that, hey... With intercontinental ballistic missiles, these are missiles that don't fly through the air. They leave the atmosphere, right. fly in the vacuum of space, right. then re-enter. So they said, hey, we, we need a more grand name for it. So now it's the North American Aeroface. Uh, Aeroface. Aerospace. <laughs> Aerospace defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not to be confused with Aerosmith. Not at all. <laughs> or, aero, or Aeroface. <laughs> and so what's funny here is that it was initially to track what was coming back over the poles. And so one thing they do in December is they track Santa Claus. But, but, but wait, can we step back a minute? Is, is that why we left out Mexico? She's on her own? <laughs> we don't care if we the attack's coming in that right. way. If, 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 if somebody's going to get bombed, they're going to bomb somebody long before it reaches Mexico. Okay. I promise you there. I'm just saying. <laughs> and so, so what we have here is uh, Santa 
who takes off on New Year's Eve, and NORAD, if you go to their website, NORAD Santa. Uh, <laughs> I love tra- it. It tracks Santa through the air. Now, we should be glad that it tracks it rather than just taking it out of the Shoot sky. It down. Right, thinking, oh, bogey. <laughs> that, would, that would make a bad headline the next Wouldn't day. Oh, that's pretty cool. NORAD actually. shoots down Santa by accident. Nice. <laughs> So what you have here is a – but you ha- there's some issues here, though, because there's certain um, – you have to think about what Santa has to accomplish. In, in order to make this happen. He has, order, a, he has a big job. He's got a big job. Because you think how, – how many Christians are in the world? There might be a uh, billion, billion and a half. And so uh, um, how many Christian households mm-hmm. might be anywhere between three and 400 million? Well, you, okay. well, you also got to count the agnostics. Who are hedging their bets? Oh, <laughs> true. Okay, uh, true. did they make the Santa I'm just list? Saying. Right, they make the Santa list. Okay, add them and in. And not to mention the Christmas Jews. The Christmas Jews. Okay. There are a lot of Christmas Jews. <laughs> have, That's I, why they're Jewish. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> <laughs> that kind, of, that's kind of being Jewish. That's kind of <laughs> kind of being a Jew. You're Jewish. Ish. So those who have Christmas trees, I would suppose, okay, uh, would be the target of Santa's visit. Probably. And yes. so this is a lot of people to visit. Mm-hmm. He has to travel very fast. Fast, mm-hmm. very fast. We're looking at about two thousand miles per second, which is about one percent the speed of light. Wow! Yeah, so that's quick. You're talking about some some awesome reindeer here, and so maybe Santa finds a, a portal through the space time continuum. I would have to, or maybe. actually, they did in the movie. Uh, what's the movie where they go through the door? Monsters, Inc. Each oh, door Monsters. in a right. child's room right. was actually a, a, a portal through the space-time continuum right. connecting the factory to the home. So maybe this is what he's got to do. I don't, I, I don't know. But if you calculate all of this, right. it's, it's, a, it's a huge task for Santa to, to do. And NORAD tracks the progress of Santa. Wait a minute. How can they track something going at 2,000 miles per second? I'm not authorized to say. <laughs> <laughs> Just understand your tax dollars are being well spent, <laughs> exactly. sir. <laughs> and, and That's all you need and to a, know. A, a quick history of that. They, uh, it started in 1955. <laughs> right on. Where a regional uh, in Colorado, where NORAD is, it's in Cheyenne Mountain. Okay. Cheyenne Yay, Mountain. Cheyenne Mountain. That's that, that hole in the mountain where they got the big door. Yes. Okay. That's where Stargate is. That's where Stargate is. Yay. Yes, you know. We'll talk more about that Sweet. after the break. But I want to, what, what, so in there with NORAD, what they did was, a local Sears in Colorado posted a phone number to call Santa, and right. they accidentally gave the wrong phone number, and it was NORAD's, NORAD's phone number. NORAD's phone number. Wow, somebody got fired. Yeah. <laughs> Accidental air quotes. <laughs> and so from that point on, they decided, well, why not actually turn this into something real? And we have all these tracking mechanisms, these tracking capacities. Let's do it for Santa. Do it for the country. Do and, it for the world. And oddly enough, you can buy all of that tracking uh, uh, equipment at Sears and Robot. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Dot com. <laughs> and so if you want to just learn more about all of what we're talking about, you can join us on Facebook. Easy to find us, Star Talk Radio on Facebook. And you can actually follow us in the Twitterverse. Our Twitter handle is Star Talk Radio. And so when we come back... We have another phone call with one of my favorite people in the world. Bill Nye will be with us. We'll see you in a bit. We're back on Star Talk. Got with me Leanne Lord and Chuck Nice. Uh, and, and Leanne, you were joking with me recently about the computer voice that's about to tell you the world is going to end, but the voice never uh, acts frightened or anything. Is that uh, is the, this, this concerns you? What are you doing, Hal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Launch it, Colonial Viper One. <laughs> so the, the I think that computer is a little too sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to launch something else. <laughs> That was Is nice, Chuck Nice. Show? That was nice, Chuck Nice, right there. So, anyway, so with NORAD, 
Uh, so what, that's what they do. They're responsible for the defense of North America, and they're deep in the mountain that protects themselves from uh, nuclear holocaust where the rest of us die, and they'll protect whatever's left like, and right. themselves. How do you get that job? <laughs> and well, also, also uh, Stargate. 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 SG-1. They went, yes. went through the door. They lived in the mountain. They lived in the mountain. That's yeah. right. And I actually had a cameo in Stargate Atlantis. No way. Yeah, so yeah. I had a cameo with Bill Nye. The oh, two of us. Get were out. Like, we so. We're on that, and I and I my acting talents suck. I just want you to know. Uh, but I but can, you were fabulous in the Big Bang. I was going to say you were the only person there who actually knew what the hell you were talking about. <laughs> I actors. know what this button does. <laughs> right, actually, exactly. But I was on on Stargate Atlantis with Bill Nye, who's a friend and and colleague. And I think we have Bill Nye on the line. Bill Nye, Bill, are you there? Neil, greetings. Bill, you're calling us from L.A. Thanks for taking time out of your day to be on Star Talk Radio. Are you kidding? For you. Uh, Okay, <laughs> Bill. This is see your lips move. Uh, this is our holiday show, and so I want to know, Bill, because you're kind of an unusual character out there in, in many ways. I'm not going to list them. You know what they are. Among them, we want to know, like, what did you ever want as a kid for Christmas? Was it something weird? For Newton's birthday, you mean? Newton. Say, say what I tell you guys. <sighs> no. Okay. Uh, so uh, when was Newton born? <laughs> I didn't know it, but one year Santa brought me a bicycle big enough for an adult to ride. And I had reached this point in my life. I had made this transition to adult leg length. Yeah. And man, I could crank that thing. Gosh, it was fun. And so, as you may know, I, I'm down now. I, I'm, I'm okay. I could quit if I wanted. I have five bicycles now. Five, so you have bicycles on the brain and in the body right now. Plus, I, I happen to know separately that you're a, a big bike enthusiast and you're buddies with, who's the famous bike guy? Um, Neil Michael Armstrong? Trump? Neil Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> Not really buddies yes. with Neil Armstrong. No. Yeah. Uh, how about Lance then? Lance, yeah. Buddies with oh, Lance. Lance. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're a big bicycle fanatic, and so you did get a bike for your birthday, but you also I said... Did it, no, it was for Newton's birthday. Newton, so Newton uh, was born on Christmas. Yeah. But I checked the... the I, I looked at the records, and he was born on Christmas in England, who had not yet adopted the Gregorian calendar, put forth into the rest of the Catholic world in, in 1584. So what are you saying he was born on Christmas? He was really born, like, January 5th or something. Fourth, I think. Fourth, okay. But, uh, but it's fun. It was, I always claim that Isaac Newton's mother pr- pretty much was thinking it was Christmas Day. That's my claim. Okay, so whatever the mom says, that's what it is. Or, or either Newton is the Protestant baby Jesus. The Protestant, right. Well, <laughs> the Protestant. He, he made a contribution. He just made some remarkable discoveries. There you go. But he was a significant guy. Newton was my man. He, he, he discovered the laws of optics and the, the, the laws of gravity and the laws right. of motion. And, and he makes a great computer. Viscosity, Neil. I'm talking fluid mechanics. He was all over it. He was an investigator. Uh, and, and fluid mechanics and viscosity is all about riding a bike fast and all about Santa trying to deliver presents on Christmas Day fast. We, uh, and he's, but the thing is, Santa has something else that I don't think Isaac Newton had. What's that? He's magic. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> that is a huge time saver when you're going to go worldwide. Bill, I don't come to you to explain the natural world by saying it's magic. You know, well, the natural world. I think you're talking about Santa Claus. <laughs> 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 it's a product, I'll claim, and I don't think this is extraordinary. He's a product of humans. Uh, yeah. Okay, and, and so it's not a bad thing. Okay, but I just calculate how fast he'd have to go. Is to, he, he'd have to go 2,000 miles per second and traverse 200 million miles to deliver presents to all the Christian and agnostic but and, done the, and Jewish. Done, like estimations of house to house? Yes, exactly. House to house, and you scatter them all around the world. Now, there's another thing, Dr. Tyson. What's I mean, that? The guy used to come to my house, he would eat the cookies I left. And drink the hot cocoa. Okay, that's... You're telling me he did that at every house? That's why he is so large. So he's magic. (laughs) So the the calorie content of the cookies he eats is greater than the calories he burns getting from house to house. There it is. A little bit. That's how that works. Uh Well, who knew? So, so Bill, I have to tell everyone, you are executive director of the Planetary Society. Do I still get to call you the science guy in that position? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, so do so. Uh, so the planetary side, we promote uh, space exploration. There it is. And by the way, I don't, I'm not alone to know this. You're not only the science guy, you're the engineering dude, too. I am, yes. And these are your, those are your roots, and that's... And we're, well, that's- 
we feel great to have you out there just just carrying the torch. Very, very technical uh, uh, titles, I have to say. Our engineers use science to solve problems and what else? Make things. Everything in your world, somebody... Somebody thought of it. came out of somebody's head. How about that microphone? How about these radio signals? Somebody made that up. It's cool. It's exciting. And I, I disagree with you there, Mr. Science Guy. Uh-oh. I, I believe radio signals existed before we did. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I think the... How do we receive them from space, then? I don't want to get all geeky. Through our magic machines. But I don't think anybody was selecting radio channels and, and uh, making them into amplitude or frequency-modulated signals. Uh, oh, you mean that kind. <laughs> oh, oh, it's that kind. Oh. I say, bring it on. <laughs> Chuck Knight's just got owned. <laughs> but if you have to get owned by somebody, let it be, let it be Bill Nye, the science guy. out into the cosmos. Maybe somebody out there is enjoying... The Dick Van Dyke Show. <laughs> yeah. Because somebody or, should. Or, or, uh, or the Bill Ryan the Science Guy Show. I'm just shooting from the hip. Way out there. Picking a random show. They can't quite tell what it is, but... But they wonder. Well, I would rather they got the, the Bill Nye show than, like, Howdy Doody or I Love Lucy as the emissaries of our culture. I think it's too late. <laughs> but there might be a physical phenomenon that we don't understand. Maybe... Maybe Maybe the science guy got there ahead of it. <laughs> Maybe there's some crazy uh, interstellar, uh, you know, in that 4% of the, um, of the dark matter, the dark energy that, that reverses things. So and science things end up in front of the storytelling. That oh, would be, that, that's, a little, that's still a bit fantasy, I think. Yeah, yeah, well, we, I'm jamming. Yeah, yeah. So what you're trying to say is that which we don't know about the universe works in favor of putting the science guy signal ahead of I Love Lucy. I'm saying <laughs> that's wishful thinking. <laughs> On behalf of regular people, might I say, huh? <laughs> it's agnostic. So, Sir William, as I call you affectionately, Bill Nye, the science guy. Thanks for calling in and being a friend of Star Talk Radio. Oh no, it is we who must thank you. No, and those of you who are regular listeners know that Bill Nye puts in a minute every now and then to just because he's got a rant and get it off something off his chest, and we'll be hearing from him uh, later in the season. So, Sweet. Bill, thanks for taking time out of your day. Thank you. I got to fly, Bill Nye, the planetary guy. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's my Bill. Oh, oh. That's too many titles. My bill. That's I love yeah. Him. So you like science guy and engineering dude? That was what that, you. Those are. I love those titles. <laughs> science guy, engineering dude. And those are two separate business cards, completely. <laughs> you know, there's another movie that showed uh, NORAD, and it was Independence Day. No. Yeah. Guess what happened in that? Is that what the aliens? Yeah, they totally took it out. Sweet. <laughs> Those I, bastards. I have a movie question. Wasn't it in Terminator 3? Isn't that where they went uh, oh, at, the, at mm. the end? Was that? It looked like it was a Cheyenne-type place. It was, a, it was a Cheyenne-type place, but I don't think they had no, like No, I think the, that was in New Mexico. Okay, yeah. okay. I don't know where it was, I'm, I'm, I'm mixing my geek references. Yeah, I apologize. you know, we just try to get that, get that. So when we come back from our break, we have another break. When we come back, I'm going to tell you about what parts of the night sky are always there in the holiday season and have you learned much more about it than just to call it a constellation okay in fact we'll be targeting orion orion the hunter do you know about orion i know about his belt i saw <laughs> men in black <laughs> <laughs> the, the universe the, is in orion's uh, belt the, the, it was wow. yeah, it was, yeah it was the galaxy oh uh, that's right sorry the galaxy, the galaxy is in orion's or, belt on orion's belt yeah. i dated a dude named orion but i don't think that's what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> I, I met someone named Orion. Did you really? Yes, in a restaurant. He was a server. Was, was your guy? That is a too. That is too far no. of a magnanimous name. To hello, I'll be. I'm Orion. I'll be your server. <laughs> <laughs> Just it's like, no, let me sit down and serve you. Yeah, just like, <laughs> my name is Caesar. I'll be bringing you your Caesar. <laughs> your salad. I'll be bringing your salad. What, what I didn't know is, I mean, I learned later his name was Orion. I showed me his business card. He, like, convinced me. He's Orion is the guy's name. He said his mother, he said he was of the age where he might have been named Moon Unit or something less. Oh. Yeah, so he got named Orion. So Lucky. I said, take, take Orion any day. He dodged right. the bullet. <laughs> You're listening to our annual holiday episode. When we come back... We'll be talking about the night sky. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. We're back. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. This is the holiday show. Yes. And I'm just sort of waxing on about all the cosmic significance of the season, if I may. You please do. May I? It's your show, sir. So, for example, constellations. People think of winter constellations or summer constellations. You can catch practically any constellation at some time of the night, any day of the year. So what we mean when we say it's a winter constellation is that it's up high in the sky between dinner and when you go to sleep. In the winter. In the winter. Okay. Okay. Typically. But you can find a winter constellation in the summer. It's just up at like four in the morning when you're not awake. So that's all. (laughs) You mean when you're not awake? Yeah, yeah, I'm about to say. (laughs) Comedians have a slightly different schedule. (laughs) Excuse me. You work the nights. Yes. Yes. 4 a.m. We call that Wait a minute. That that didn't come out right, Will. I work the night? Wait a minute. I'm a comedian, Mom. Really? So one of of everyone's favorite constellations, perhaps it's the, the most recognizable dude in the winter sky is Orion. Orion the Hunter. The Hunter. And Chuck, you said you know Orion's belt, but then you made a, a movie reference. That- yes, Men in Black. Okay. That's the only way I know Orion's belt. Cause or- and here's why. The only way I know Orion's belt is Men in Black. Because when I look up in the sky, I can't see any of those pictures that say that this is the constellation. How? Who came up? With these, like that's a hunter, that's a bull, that's that's a uh, that's a pair of scales. There's a lady in a dress. <laughs> Where the hell did that come from? Because I Thank can't you. see any of it. Thank you. I thought I was only I can't one. See any of I it. could not see it. Thank it, you. It came from opium. <laughs> I just want you to know. Because I, I, I think you're right. I, to me, Orion actually does look like a woman wearing an A-line skirt holding a credit card. That's not a sword. <laughs> that is not a sword. All depends on yeah. What you. This is a matter of perspective. This is the Rorschach test for all of us. So. Orion is a hunter, sometimes drawn facing forward, sometimes drawn facing away. Okay. So you get different views of his anatomy when this happens. Ooh. And, uh, oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Interesting. Well, one of them, for example, is Orion's belt is the three bright stars that form a line. Right. It's a distinct pattern in the sky. And the, Orion has a sword hanging from the belt, na- dangling between his legs, which for me, if I were a hunter, that's not where I would carry my sword. I just it, want to right. make this point. Well, not let me since just the say, dogs are right there. <laughs> it depends on who you hunt with. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that's what that is. And so Orion is protecting himself from Taurus the bull, which is over to his side. Right. And Orion astrophysically is a remarkable part of the sky because it has a lot of cool astrophysical stuff going on in it. For example, Orion's shoulder is called Rigel. And no, no, sorry, sorry. I get the, how can I? Excuse me. How about to say? Oh, yes. to excuse, Orion, what? Orion's You're shoulder. Fired. Orion's shoulder is Betelgeuse. Be- we have in a movie called Betelgeuse. Betelgeuse, really? Betelgeuse, and that's how you pronounce it, Betelgeuse. Betelgeuse. And that is Arabic for armpit of the great one, in case you were wondering. Which, Which honestly is... does not sound so great. <laughs> okay. No, and be- is my nickname for my husband. So, uh, <laughs> nice. There we go. So Betelgeuse is one of the largest stars known. So large that if you put it where the sun is right now, it would be larger than the entire orbit of the Earth. We would be the cinder orbiting deep within its surface. Sweet. Very sweet. That is cool. It is so 
Bezos. That and is a huge star. Huge. I feel so small. Bigger than our entire orbit. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so then you go to his knee, right? and one of the stars forms his kneecap, and that's the star Rigel, which is a blue supergiant star. Both of those stars will one day explode, become a supernova, and be the brightest thing in the night sky and would even be visible in the day. It not so you mean we will be on Earth and we will look up in the sky and we will see this star in the in the midday sun? Yes, yes. Technically, we will not be here. Thank you, yes. <laughs> yes. I'm just saying. Get your we straight. That's a little bit far in the future. Get your we straight. And where Orion's sword is that's dangling between his legs is a region that is a nebula, a cloudy region mm. where stars are being born. It's a stellar nursery. Oh. Uh, it's called the Orion Nebula. Right beneath the sword because he will kill them the moment they are born. <laughs> is that what, what? That, so this is Orion in the sky, viewable everywhere on Earth over the holiday season. Sweet. Orion. Now, the brightest star in the night sky is just off of the side of Orion. It's called Sirius. Right. Sirius. Yes. Sirius. You know, uh, there are many things named Sirius. Uh, Sirius Radio. Right. Sirius Satellite Radio, yes. Actually, we're not on Sirius Radio. No, we're not. No, but that's okay. <laughs> that's but, their loss. Hello. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do you know the icon but for Sirius But they have been calling. Well, yeah, this, the, uh, the icon for Sirius is the little dog. It's a little dog because right. Sirius is the eye of Canis Major, the big dog. The dog in star. The sky. It's the dog star. Sweet. It is the dog star. And in fact, the dog days of August are so called because the Sirius rises just before the sun during the month of August. The heliacal rising of the Sirius. The heliacal rising of the dog star, yo! <laughs> that's a callback, y'all. The yo, dog it's the Snoop days. Dog of stars. <laughs> the dog days of August. Love that it. is cool. And Sirius is, is popular in many cultures. It's the brightest star in the night sky. So right. if a culture is going to have it, they're going to, you know, if, gonna, if a culture is going to have any star in the sky, that's a likely one. And the Egyptians uh, worship the star. In fact, back when it was heliacally rose before the sun for right. them, right. thousands of years ago, signaled the rise, the flooding of the Nile. So, in fact, their agricultural calendar begins with the heliacal rising the, of Sirius. That, I got to tell you, that's fascinating. I'm sorry, but I find it fascinating. Oh, and, yeah. And it sounds serious. It's, <laughs> okay. <laughs> is that what that is? It's serious. Serious, the dog star. <laughs> So these are stu- this is this, those are things you'll see in the nighttime sky, and of course the moon goes through the the full moon in December tr- crosses the sky higher than any other moon of the year. So it, that's what pr- pr- that's what creates this wonderful glow on the snow laden landscapes and so, fewer and, crazy people and f- <laughs> lunatics. <Yes. laughs> they are lunatics at all phases of the moon. So I have oh, come okay. to learn. Okay, so. I think we've come to the end of oh, no. our house party. We are wow. at the end of our heliacal and, rise. And, and in, my, in my last minute. Where's the after party? I, I have to give my tweet of the week. Oh, yay. Because I've been thinking hard about this with Santa and all of this. And I'm wondering if Santa's moving 2,000 miles per second to visit the, to the more than two million, 22 million households to deliver gifts. Right. Uh, sorry, 22 million miles of the half a billion households that he's got to visit. Mm. This is this is I did the quick back of the envelope calculation aerodynamics. Right. And uh Santa ain't gonna make it. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> You mean he can't make it to every house or the, for my tweet of the week, here it goes. For Santa to deliver gifts to all the world's Christians in one night requires hypersonic speeds, vaporizing his reindeer and sleigh. Oh, man. You killed Rudolph right before Christmas. Sorry. This has been our holiday show, and I want to thank my guests. And as always, I bid you to keep looking up. That's it for this segment of Star Talk. But when we come back, Special guests Bill Nye, the science guy, and co-writer of Cosmos, Stephen Soder, drop by the Cosmic Crew. Stay tuned. Star Talk Radio, the Cosmic Crib. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. In this segment, we just sit back and chew the fat on whatever subject is of the moment. I got Bill Nye here. Thanks for coming to my office. It's so good to be here. And Steve Soder, friend and colleague, and uh, he co-wrote Cosmos with Andrian. Hello, Neil. And so uh, I just want to talk about asteroids. I love me some asteroids. They're a big concern of mine at the Planetary Society. Why? 
because if we got hit with one, it would be it would game be over. Bad. It would be very. If we got bad. hit with a big enough one. Yeah, there are a lot of little ones that hit. In fact, shooting stars every night. Yeah, how many tons a day? A couple we, hundred tons. Yeah. of star Dust. stuff. Yeah, a, a couple hundred tons of meteors Earth plows through every day. So most of it just burns up, and you say, "Oh, the pretty shooting star." There you have it. But the bigger ones can make it through, right? Yeah, this is a deep concern. When I was in astronomy class, when Steve Soder was one of our teaching assistants, uh, Carl Sagan talked extensively about He's what name he... Dro- you'd name dropping now. Come on now. Well, but isn't that the idea? Uh, okay. that he talked extensively about what at that time was called the Tunguska event. Nowadays, I like to refer to it as the Tunguska airburst. Mm-hmm. And then, sure enough, a year and a half. So this ago, is in 1908. There was an asteroid, a modern mid-air explosion over Tunguska, the town a of Tunguska. One. And so a little one. It wasn't a town. It was uh, middle of nowhere, the wastes of Siberia. Mm. Okay. And so, how big was that? Was that impactor? Well, it was equivalent to the Hiroshima bomb in terms of the energy, and it. Uh, so, so the size of a small house then. I think yeah. I've seen mm-hmm. some numbers on well, this. Well, the asteroid itself, yeah, but yeah. It, but it, it leveled uh, thousands of square miles of forest. Mm. Okay. Yeah, knocked trees down yeah. in every direction. Yeah. And then... Okay, uh, just to be clear, yeah. thousands of square miles of forest, yeah, huge. That's, like, that's like 50 miles on a side. That's correct. Right, yeah. just to, just if to it, get... If it burst the trees were all it, pointed away from the center. Away from the center, yeah. like it, something bad happened in one yeah. spot. Yeah, but it was high in the atmosphere when it blew up. So it was an air, air blast. Yeah. And, of course, in Hiroshima, it was an air blast. That's correct. Like a kilometer yeah. up. Yeah. Okay. So, so... But a t- about the economy, I said kilometer. I like it. That we, shuts you up for at least for, a minute. We're for, looking forward to you embracing I kilometer. can't use feet and inches without you jumping all over me. Well, you're supposed to be an astronomer. <laughs> I just want credit when I use when I say kilometer. Just say, Neil, you did so, good. I, it's, Neil, it's you did well, if I may use the adverb. I want to so, do gooder next time. Okay, go. With that said... We at the Planetary Society, in collaboration with the... You are CEO of the Planetary Society. I am. Collaboration with the B612 Foundation. They've changed. They're now called Sentinel. Sentinel is the name of the spacecraft. Oh. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we are going to celebrate Asteroid Day on the 30th of June. Next year. Next year, when we hope And why is that day plucked from the 365? That was the day reckoned in the modern calendar when Tunguska airburst occurred. Now, my Russian's not very good. Tunguska. Or something uh, airburst occurred, and uh, it is a worthy thing to consider. If that were to happen over Paris or Tokyo or New York, that would be the end of any of these places. In fact, I read Steve. Is this right that Tunguska was at the same latitude as Berlin? So that, and if Earth had rotated an extra six hours, something like that, so, yeah. some number of calculable hours, that it would have then killed a million people. The air blast. That's We'd the worst still case. be talking about the worst case. Yeah. 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 So okay. So. Some asteroids are harmless. We call them meteoroids, and they make shooting stars. Others can create severe local damage. Still others can disrupt civilization. But the ones we really care about are the ones that could render us extinct, right? Well, any <laughs> well, that's a 100 billion a year time scale, but that size. The ones that could do it... You're not worried about the ones that will make us extinct? Uh, not as much, because 100 million years is an awful long time. <laughs> no, but but the guys, ones that can wipe out civilization are like one every million years. I just got to so, remind you that just because... But just to is, clarify, what, what is wiping out civilization? You mean disrupting the... Collapse all of agriculture. Agriculture. Yeah, for a couple years. Transportation. Yeah. yeah. Food supply, but water just, supply. Okay. I just got to get... I remind you all, uh, as a, not as an expert on statistics, but just to remind you... A low probability event does not the same as a low consequence event. Right. If it happens once, we're done. That's it. Right, right. And it could be any moment. And I have held in my little hand uh, a meteorite that killed a dog. Really? In Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah, the guy let me hold it. This is a, Talk about an unlucky dog. That, you're that walking right. down the street. That ain't right. Trotting down the street, wham, and then you're done. You're yep. a dead dog. What's little appreciated, though, is that mega volcanic eruptions that could destroy civilization happen at about the same frequency as asteroids that could do it, maybe even more frequent. So as I continually say, Earth wants to kill us. <laughs> no. Earth and the it's, universe want to kill us. It's very infrequent. I mean, in any given century, it's a very low probability. Plus, they, you, you'll hear them coming. Well, the volcanoes, you'll have, uh, mega volcanic eruption, you'll have warning. But there's not mega. much... Mega... Means what? Means like a thousand times bigger than the the biggest uh, eruption. Has any of those happened during civilization? Uh, 
one came close. It was Toba. No, no, no. Not during civilization. No. But during hu human tenure on the planet, there was one 74,000 years ago that might have cut down the, the population of our hunter-gatherer ancestors. And what's the super volcano they're talking about in Yosemite? Oh, uh, not Yosemite. Oh, I sorry. Think it's a Yellowstone. A uh, Yellowstone. Yeah. Oh, that would that, that would uh, that's happened uh, every few million years. That one blows. That would that would uh, qualify. We're talking about asteroids, yeah. but I just want to remind everybody: yeah. if, you, if for some reason you have not been to Ash Falls State Park, Nebraska, I encourage I count you. Me among those who have I never been you to go by to Ash there. Falls State Falls. Ash Falls State Park. State Park, Nebraska. Near Orchard. Uh, Nebraska. As they say, there aren't too many brothers hanging out there. No. But, uh, In Nebraska. No. That aside, there are dead rhinoceroses and camels and three-toed horses. Not camels, three-toed horses. And rhinoceroses that were buried by ash from a supervolcano in what is now Yellowstone National mm. Park. Yeah, how so, far away is that? Uh... 1,500 kilometers. Yeah, okay, good. 1,000 thousand miles. miles. Yeah, oh, good. Or maybe less, only 800. So you can, so you can be buried by ash 1,000 miles away from a super Really volcano. fast when it's big enough, yeah. But so, a really big one will have global climate uh, impact. So we should be more worried about the volcano or equally no, as worried about the volcano than the asteroid? Equally worried. No, asteroids a lot more serious. Wait, 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 except that. It's a lot more sexy. Wait, 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 wait. We have on paper ways we can think of deflecting an asteroid even though there's no funded project in the world to do so. Right now we have no power to influence the fate of a volcano. I don't, but they don't am, just am show right, up. Am I right, Steve? Yes, that's correct. They don't just show up. Volcanoes don't just happen. So they're there, and we can like pray some to them rumbling, and hope they don't. Well, well, oh, we'll have some warning, but there's nothing we can do about it. But we could do like an asteroid. You, you hear the oh, rum, have, rum tummy? You'll have, no, you'll have si seismic activity. Yeah, that's the, you, you hear the rum tumble even, of the tummy. Yeah, for a really big one, you might have you mm -hmm. know, uh, considerable warning. Like decades. Dec well, years maybe, but you wouldn't. You couldn't do anything to stop it. But you can deflect an asteroid. So that's what I'm saying, Bill. That's what I'm talking about. So asteroid. while we're ending the world, uh, let's <laughs> let's set aside the volcanoes and worry about the asteroids. To your point, so what we'd want to do is maybe build a spacecraft so massive, just its mutual gravity with this object or this mm -hmm. group of objects would dug it off course. But we at the Planetary Society, the trouble with that idea is you need a tremendous amount of fuel, huge amount of fuel hauled up in space. Mm -hmm. uh, more fuel than anybody. So, is the planetary site actively planning such a mission to deflect uh, an asteroid? Actively planning a different mission where we would, yes, actually planning to deflect an asteroid with the laser bees. So, we would build spacecraft that have solar panels that make electricity that to create lasers powerful enough to ablate or evaporate, or if I may, zap, zap is a good word, surface of the asteroid, and the ejected material has momentum. So if an asteroid so it recoils going, from this ejected mm -hmm. material. Yeah. Now so, suppose the asteroid is a rubble pile. Well, that's it. That's the great advantage. You can deflect its center of gravity, and if they still have enough gravity to hold together, then the whole thing will get deflected. But you could possibly break it apart by doing this. Uh, yeah, but you got to. They would have to evacuate two coasts, Bill. <laughs> So this is why you generally don't want to send explosives or Bruce Willis. Is, uh, is this explosives <laughs> or Bruce Willis or both? Is <laughs> the possibility of uh, creating a shower of these objects? Mm -hmm. This is one more reason that we need to continue to explore asteroids and understand them. Rubble piles, marshmallowy things, puffy ash, giant solid rock, piece of stainless steel, piece of ice. These are questions we need answers to as a, to prevent the only preventable natural disaster. Steve, let me just get some basic facts about asteroids. When was the first one discovered? 1800. 1800. So we've known about them for 200 years. Yeah. All right. And uh, initially they thought they were planets, right? If That's I, right. In fact, the first one was discovered in a big gap between the orbits of Mars and Jupiter where it was expected there would be a planet. And so it was assumed to be the missing planet. So all the next, forces said this is a planet. Right. The next year another asteroid was discovered in a very similar orbit and then others and more and more. So And they, they said called, something else is going on here. Right. These are asteroids. But did ancient peoples have a sense of asteroids? Shooting no. stars? Ancient Greeks? Shooting, well, I had no idea what no. they were. No. The, the, no. the, they were thought to, they're called meteor, meteors, which is literally uh, in the Greek, it means something in the air. They were thought to be uh, very close. Mm -hmm. Comets uh, even were thought to be uh, atmospheric in the atmosphere. phenomena. Yeah, no, yeah. Do you know the etymology of the word bolide? I don't. But a bolide. I love me some bolides. No. So the, the the meteor that comes in, uh, you, bolides no bigger than a golf ball. 
that's big enough to come through the atmosphere. You see a streak, and then it explodes at the end of its path. And this is what people call call the police when they see it because they. Well, think, this is what happened with Chelyabinsk. Yeah, Chelyabinsk. Well, we need another word other than bolide for what happened in Chelyabinsk back in February. Oh, you don't like? Uh, how about airburst? No, no, it? it was way bigger than a bolide. I mean, we need a, the vocabulary we currently have. We don't see those often enough to have vocabulary for it. I guess that's right. my point. Anyway, right. if, just to refresh your memories, uh, this thing blew up in the sky. There's so much insurance fraud in this part of the world that there are dozens of dash, maybe hundreds of dashboard camera images of this thing. Yeah. And everybody goes to the window to look at it, and then the sonic boom takes almost three minutes to get to the ground. <laughs> Blows the windows in everybody's faces, and they go the, to the, the hospital. The big Band-Aid. Nobody was killed. Amazing. Nobody was killed. Yeah. By that much. Yeah, 1,600 yeah. people went We're to injured. the hospital, and nobody yeah. was shot across our bow. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's a cosmic shooting gallery. Let's get to work, people. Let's deflect an <laughs> asteroid. Let's identify asteroids and so we can deflect one. So we can have, live a little longer. Yeah. Than other species that well, didn't. Yeah, could. species lifetime. Mammals have a typical lifetime of a few million years. Uh huh. We should aim at that. At least go to go to match the records of yeah. of other mammals that yep. we might have. All right. That's, that's not the only reason. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we got to call it quits. This is big been fun, Neil. The Cosmic Crib. Thanks for thanks for joining. Us. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. We'll see you again. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation.